Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Good morning, Church Alive. How we all doing? Someone look at your neighbor and go, ah! There it is. There is freedom in the house today. I would normally ask if anyone brought their faith, but I already know. There is faith in the house today. So come on, go ahead, lift your hands. We're going to pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you are doing in this church. God, I thank you that in you, God, there are new beginnings. In you, there is strengthening. You are the lifter of our head here today. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as we look into your word, help us not just to see others. Help us not just to see our nation. Help us not just to see our community. But may we see ourselves today, God. And through seeing ourselves, we may also hear you calling us up to greater things in you. Jesus, we love you. Lord, I pray you would anoint my words today. It's in your name I pray. And somebody said, amen, amen. amen. Give your neighbor a high five as you take a seat today. Can we honor your pastors, by the way, this morning? I love Pastor Anthony and Pastor Miriam both. Um, as, I was, as I've been watching uh, you lead the men of this house this weekend, uh, Pastor Anthony, I was honestly reminded of um, a quote from a guy named Bob Buford. You know, we live in a world where everyone wants to see their success growing on their tree and their tree only. But I love what Bob Buford said. He said this. He said, my fruit grows on other people's trees. And what I love about Pastor Anthony is he has a heart to see you flourish. He has a heart to see the tree of your marriage bear fruit. He has the heart to see the tree or, or the, the, the saplings of your children, that they will grow up rich, that they will grow up full, that they will grow up healthy. I love that. He genuinely has it in his heart to see you thrive. And, and I just commend that. I love that. And I want that heart in myself as well. And Pastor Miriam, um, to you, I just want to publicly commend and thank you for the encouragement you've been to my wife. I, every now and again, you're, you're checking in on her, texting her. And there's some days where many of you are familiar with my wife's journey. And um, there, there are days where it's, it's tough uh, to, to have that, that glow when you're walking through some of the things that we're walking through. And there have been days where I've been like, what's going on? She's like, I was talking with Pastor Miriam today. <laughs> and it just, it's, it lifts my wife's head. So I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for your example, your leadership. And I know the men that were at the retreat are scattered uh, across all the services today. But the men that were there um, over the course of the past couple days. I just want to hear it one more time. Can the men that were at 252 Weekend say, rise up? Rise up! 
That's it right there. That's it. Rise up. That's it. I like it. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. If, you, if you're looking around wondering what are they saying right now, you should have been there. In Jesus' name, should have been there. I, I want to talk about something interesting today. Actually, wanna, I want to take a look at idols. I want to talk about idols. Uh, and the reason I want to talk about idols is because whatever has your heart has your worship. Whatever has your heart has your worship. Whatever has your affection, whatever has your passion, whatever has your desires, whatever has your mind, when it wanders off to that thing that matters to you, whatever that thing is, it has your worship. Now, the funny thing is, is you don't hear a lot of people talking about idols today. Like when I talk with you about idols, you feel like you have to go to a museum in downtown New York City and find some artifact hiding behind a half inch of, of glass in a museum or something. You know what I'm talking about. If we want to see an idol, we think I got to go to the library and check out a book about ancient Mesopotamia or I got to enroll in Bible college and, and hear about Baal and, and all these other idols that we, we know about in history. People, people wrongly assume that idols are a relic of the past. Kind of like we do with the bubonic plague. Has anyone in here ever heard of the bubonic plague? Right? Yeah. This, this actually decimated 25% of the world's population. From the years spanning 1346 to 1353, 25% of the global population was wiped out in the bubonic plague pandemic. All right, it is the worst medical disaster in the history of the globe. And let's put it into perspective here for a moment. Do you remember all the disruption we experienced with COVID? All right, 1% of the global population, and it disrupted life that much for us. Imagine the disruption if one in four people in this room died. Imagine the disruption if not just one in four people in this room died. Imagine the disruption if one in four people in your town died. Imagine the disruption if one in four people in our nation died. Imagine the fear. Imagine the disruption of society. Imagine the disruption of commerce. Not just 1%, but 25%. I mean, when, when a person was sick with the plague, their lymph nodes would swell to the size of chicken eggs. Very painful stuff going on right there, right? Your skin would actually begin to rot and die quicker than your own life left your body. So people were walking around with literally rotted appendages. And here's the crazy thing. Did you know that last year there were cases of the plague in New Mexico... California, and Colorado. I want to know why that didn't show up in my news feed. Like, why, how is it that the Kardashians make it in my news feed, but there's no one telling me that the plague was in three different states last year? Like, that, that's mind-boggling to me. I actually have for you today a photo from the CDC of someone's hand. <laughs> Pastor Anthony just went, oh, <laughs> all right, you can take that down. Take that down in Jesus name. That is, that is a, that, that is from last year. Someone's hand contracted the plague right here in the United States. 
and you didn't hear about it. It gets even crazier than that. The World Health Organization has declared that the plague is endemic. Someone say endemic. To Madagascar, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Peru. All three nations, it is endemic. What does endemic mean? This is what endemic means. Always present within a geographic area or population. That means that world health experts know that at any given time, the plague is running around on our planet. And you and I didn't know about it. That's kind of crazy. Can I tell you something? Idols are a lot like that. See, you and I thought the plague was a thing of the past, and yet we have people on the West Coast that were contracting it just last year. We have multiple spots on the globe where it is moving, it is working, it is amongst people at any given time. Why are we talking about idols today? Because like the plague, idols are endemic to humanity. If I were to be more clear, I would say it this way. Idols are endemic to the human heart. And that's why we need Jesus. Because left to myself, I'm going to give my worship. I'm going to give my praise to things that do not deserve my praise. So let's be real this morning. It's not a matter of if you struggle with idols. It's actually a question of where. Where in your life are you at risk of giving worship to the created thing that should only go to the creator? Where in your life do you feel that siren's call to give more of your affection maybe to the affirmation of that significant other? Maybe the affections or the the attention of that, that social media feed. I was actually talking with a man at our 252 weekend who was telling me how he made an idol of fitness. He was drawing his identity and his worth and his value amongst other men by how healthy and fit he was, by how many pull-ups he could do, by how many push-ups he could do. And you could look at him and say, that is just so shallow. How could anyone be that crazy? And meanwhile, you have your own idol lurking in the corner of your own heart. And so as we talk about idols, it's really easy to look out there and think about some other faraway country, some culture different than our own, someone else in your workplace. But I believe this morning we should humbly look into the recesses of our own hearts because that is what Jesus encouraged us to do. In Matthew 7, verses 3 to 5, Jesus is speaking. And he says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? Someone turn to your neighbor and say, why do you do that? Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, stop it. (laughs) He says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me get that speck out of your eye, and behold, there is a log in your own eye. You hypocrite. How many people know Jesus will call it how it is? He says, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It's kind of like when you fly on an airplane, and they tell you before you try to put the oxygen mask on someone around you, make sure you deal with the mask for yourself first. You see, before you can lead someone else to freedom, you need to first be walking in freedom yourself. 
And so as we're talking about idols today, to, to help you break away. See, the thing I've noticed about idols, they're sneaky. They like to hide in plain sight. They like to convince you it's not really a big deal. You just really like shoes with red soles. Right? It's not really a big deal. You just really like, I don't know, cars. What, I, whatever. Fill in the gap. The thing with it is we, we, we talk it down. We, we de-escalate the situation. We negotiate with it. And I love what Paul David Tripp he, he gives a series of questions that'll actually help reveal where there may be an idol in your own heart. And I want to read these questions for you today. He says this. He says, what has you in its hold? What do you feel like you can't possibly live without? What is the ability to make or break your day? What is the power to make you sad? What can produce almost instant happiness the moment you receive it? The loss of what thing would leave you feeling depressed? What do you attach your identity to? What tends to control your wishes or what do others have that causes you to envy? If you could receive just one thing, what would it be? The absence of what tempts you to question God's goodness? What does your money tell you about what's important to you? I wonder if you jumped on, you know, one of the things I'm doing in the season of being in, in uh, back in, in seminary, I'm, I'm actually working with a mortgage company. And, and in the state of Virginia, I'm actually licensed to originate loans. And so a part of that process, if someone's trying to buy a house, is I have to look at your bank statements. And it's amazing how much you can tell about a person by just reviewing two months of spending. It's amazing what you can find. This person looked totally normal. After they gave me their bank statements, I'm convinced they're the axe murderer they were looking for on that Discovery Channel documentary I was watching. It's like, why do you need that? <laughs> why? <laughs> He's at like axe.com and you're like, how many axes do you own? Too many. <laughs> this is creepy. What does your money tell you about what's important to you? What fills your fantasies and dreams? What do you dream of? Is there a place where you're asking creation to do what only the creator can. I love those questions because they make the reality of an idol in our lives far more approachable. And you know what's crazy? You can make an idol out of anything. I could make an idol out of ministry. I could make an idol out of my children. I could make an idol out of my wife's healing. On one hand, totally right for me to desire and to have faith for it. But if I allow my wife's battle with cancer to actually define my life and existence, if I allow my wife's battle with cancer to actually define how I see God, that I allow that cancer in the 12-year journey to be the judge 
and the jury of God's nature and what he is like, I have given that sickness a place of worship in my heart. And I wonder what perfectly good thing is knocking at the door of your life and trying to unseat King Jesus. See, what we forget is the gospel message. You know, it's interesting. When you read Jesus' Jesus's proclamation of the good news, you know what his most powerful or his, his central crux of his message was? It was actually his lordship. That if you're going to really walk in the freedom that Jesus offers, it's not that, it's not that you would just add him to your life. It's that you would follow Jesus and forsake all others. You look at Paul's preaching all through the New Testament, and the same thing is upheld. There is far more talk in the New Testament about allowing Jesus to be Lord of your life than actually confessing faith in him. Here's why. You can, you, can, you can have faith in something and still at the same time have faith in a few other things. But lordship, there can, only, there, there can be only one. And so I believe one of the reasons that Jesus and Paul all through scripture actually spoke so much about lordship is because in a day like today where people say, it's all right for me to have my faith and I'll let you have your faith, lordship does not allow that foolishness to continue. Lordship says, no, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Every idol will be crushed at the name of Jesus. It's a completely different arrangement. You guys hear what I'm saying? See, Scripture reveals that idols actually have three different origins. Idols come from three different places, and I don't, I'm not going to deep dive into them today, but I want to make sure you know where idols come from, all right? And it wasn't your really boring seventh-grade history teacher. Well, maybe it was. But anyway, the first place that the Bible says idols come from is quite simply creation. Now, we struggle with wrapping our head around how creation could be a source of an idol because we live in a world where we just walk around with a phone in our face like this. It was really funny. Uh, there was a, uh, while we were at the 252 weekend, there was a moment where I was walking with one of the guys, and he looked up at the sky, and he's like, I don't remember the last time I saw stars like this. And there were two. And I'm like, man, maybe I'm more of a country boy than I realize down in Virginia because uh, that's nothing. But when it used to be, before there was a, uh, you know, a Freedom Tower and the New York City skyline and everything glowing and light pollution and all this stuff going on, it used to be that people would see nature and it so overwhelmed them that They felt the draw to worship. Deuteronomy 4, 19 to 20, God is commanding Israel as you step into the promised land, this land that I'm giving you, it is such a good land. Do not mistake the land for being your God. The second source of idols in scripture is actually the demonic. One of the things we talked about on 252 weekend is we need to respect all but fear none. 
One of the things that we do, I think sometimes we give the devil too much credit by thinking every single idol comes from him. And he's just not strong enough to do that. He is a source of some idols, though. And we need to be aware of that and not naive to it. And you actually see that discussed in Deuteronomy. Uh, what is it? Chapter 32, verse 17. God actually clarifies how there can be a demonic origin to idols. But then there's another one that's really interesting. It comes out of Psalm 135. And it says this in verses 15 to 18. It says, the idols of the nations. Someone say nations are nothing but silver and gold. And if you're writing this down or, or you're, you highlight in your Bible, highlight the next couple of words here, the work of human hands. Here in Psalms, we see this idea set forth that sometimes idols aren't the result of creation. They're not the result of the demonic, but you and I chisel them with the affections of our own hearts. He says the work of the, the, the idols of the nations, they're the work of human hands. Nothing. They are nothing but silver and gold. They have mouths, but they don't speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. And nor is there any breath at all in their mouths. Now listen to this. Those who make them will become like them. Why does it matter where you put your worship? Because you become what you behold. You become what you behold. What you worship has your affection. Whatever has your heart has your worship. And what you worship, you will become. This is why all this stuff matters. Now, if you were to look through the teachings of Old Testament prophets, you know what you would discover? Is that the most common statement about idols in Scripture is not that it comes from creation and is not that it's demonic, but the most common explanation for idols all through Scripture is that they are the work of human hands. And in Acts 19, when Paul is ministering in the city of Ephesus, he backs up that Old Testament theology. And speaking of the idol, Artemis, the god of the Ephesians, he actually says, who are you guys fooling? Don't you realize you made Artemis yourself? It's the work of human hands. So the question is, why do we create idols? Why do we do that? It's really simple. You were made to worship. You were created for worship. You were created to worship. But here's the thing. You weren't created to worship just anything. You were, you were made to worship God and God alone. And that's the challenge with a lot of the thinking in our nation today and a lot of the teaching in our schools is you're, you're actually being led and encouraged to worship your humanity. But the problem is it's your humanity that needs saving. It's your humanity that needs redemption. And we wonder why we spiral in this place of becoming more and more hopeless. Well, we are just becoming a greater representation of what we worship. And so if we are worshiping ourselves, we just become a more broken version of ourselves. So you're designed to worship, but you're not designed to worship anything. You're designed to worship God. But we live in a nation, we live in a society where we have said, you can believe in anything, just don't believe in God. So we've removed God from the picture. 
which means we're misunderstanding our origin. We're misunderstanding our nature. We're misunderstanding our biology. We're misunderstanding all these different things. And listen to this. You are prone to misuse what you misunderstand. You will misuse what you misunderstand. Can I, can I uh, get this? I would call it a toolkit, but it's like a tool communion cup. And rest assured, gentlemen, this is, this is from Amazon. This is not from the Riddle House, so don't judge me, all right? Don't make me turn in my man card over the size of this toolbox right here. But you know, one of the things I love about my kids back home is they play outside. They get dirty. <laughs> one day, I, I, I saw my three-year-old in the backyard, and he goes, Dad, I got a worm! And he had those little Fiskars art scissors, and just pinched in the scissors was a snake. And I was like, my boy, he's a Pentecostal preacher right there. <laughs> what? Come at me. Right? No, but they play outside. And one of the things they always love to do, they love to build forts. They love it. Anyone in here build forts growing up? Best thing ever. Well, my kids, they're out there. And here's the thing. They always walk out there and they've got in their mind this vision like they're going to rebuild the Taj Mahal out of sticks. <laughs> And so they're out there, and they're running around, and they're doing stuff. And eventually, the good idea fairy comes out there, and it's like, here's a good thought. Just do this. And they just stop. And then they just run. And every time, they run to the same place, the toolbox. And they bring tools out. And I always marvel at how they use my tools because they don't understand their true purpose. And so there was one time where a tree just happened to be in the way of what Uzi wanted to build. And it had a root going right across the ground. And I saw him with a hammer. And he was just hammering a root. Boop. Boop. And here's the funny thing. He had a saw right by his foot. Pop. And, here, and it was hitting the root. And every time it had like a recoil. So it was like boom. Boom. So I was like praying in tongues from the kitchen, like, Jesus, watch over him. You know what I mean? Like, by the time I got out there, we fixed it. But like for him, this is a root remover, not a hammer. There's another time I went out there and, and I saw these branches that were held together. And the more I looked at it, I was like, that is impressive. How, how did he do that? How did they get those branches to stay in that position? And I looked out there and they had a tape measure just wrapped around the tree, just hanging there. And I look at it, and I'm like, Jesus, I won't always be there for my children. Sometimes I think they're dumb. Spirit of wisdom. They don't know what this is. There was one time there was a tarp and it kept falling down. So my kids just left one of these, just tension, holding it in place. And then it stormed and I went out to remove it and I couldn't because it rusted. So if you go in the woods behind my house, you might hear banjos playing and you'll just see these weird things just like sitting, rusted to the sides of trees. The tarp's long, long ago left, but this is just stuck there. And then the one that got me worst of all, I went out one day, 
and Cruz had my paintbrush. And he's just like <laughs> on the forest, you know, floor, looking like an umpire on home plate. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm cleaning my floor. And I'm like, you never do that in your room. Why are you doing it for God's green earth? I was like, good intention, poor execution, go do it in the house, you know? And we look at this and it's cute. It's, it's like there's this backyard base building starter kit, these same tools that they always go for. Just happens every time. And you know, I found that in life, there's an idle starter kit. And the band can go ahead and come on back up. I'm, I'm bringing everything to a close this morning. There, there's an idle starter kit in life. There's four basic ingredients to the human experience that because we've removed God from the story, we, we misunderstand what they're truly intended to do in our lives. And because we misunderstand them, we misuse them, and we allow them to build idols in our hearts, in our marriages, in our families, in our communities, in our nation. And we wonder why the world has never had more access to the answers and yet more hopelessness at the same time. What is the idol starter pack? I think it's real simply just these four things. The first one, it's just the things we want. The things that I want in life, the things that I don't have, but the people around me have. And I look at it and I say, it looks good. I want that too. And it starts out a fleeting thought, but then it grabs a hold of my heart. And then it becomes the author of my joy or my despair. If you want to know where you're at risk for an idol, just look at where are there desires you have that are not fulfilled. Could be there's an idol lurking in that area. The second tool in the, in the idol starter pack, what is it? It's real simply this. First one, the things we want. Second one is the things that we fear. I respect the power of the thing I can't control more than I respect the promises of my God. And all of a sudden, going back to my own kitchen that I'm cooking in, if I'm not careful, I can make a God out of cancer. I'd be lying to you if I told you there were moments where I feared for my wife. It's not wrong to have a fear. As long as you remember how to bring it to the feet of King Jesus. One of the other idols, it's just the things we trust. I love the freedoms of this nation. I have family members who gave their lives for your freedoms. There are times where we have greater faith in certain laws and legislations as being the source of our protection rather than Almighty God Himself. And so what are the, you know, that's just an example. What are, what are other ways that you have put 
more trust in things that you can sense with your five senses more so than you trust in God himself. And then the last one, what is it? The things we need, baby formula, (laughs) right? Insulin, food, gas. You feel like you got to cash in your 401k to fill up your car right now. Holy smokes. The things that we need. We're not careful. We can make that thing an idol. And when we have it, we're good. And when we don't, we're a wreck. It controls us. When I have the likes on social media and when I don't. The idol starter pack. See, remember, you're prone to misuse what you misunderstand. See, all of these things will be a part of your life on this side of eternity. And as long as you misuse them, you will, or as long as you misunderstand them, you'll misuse them. So what are we supposed to do? I love what Paul says. In the message Bible, he says to be mature is to be basic. And I want to share with you a very basic truth as we close today. But it could be the difference between becoming enslaved to an idol or living free in Christ. In Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Maybe you're burdened by fear. Maybe you're burdened by the things that you want but don't have. Maybe you're burdened by the things that you put your trust in and they haven't been able to deliver the way you thought they would. Maybe you're burdened by the things that you need but no matter how hard you try, you can't get your hands on it. He says, come to me. Someone say, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. Can I encourage you today? If you realize there's an area where there's been an idol just slowly getting chiseled with your own two hands, my encouragement for you today is in that place of weariness and burden carrying, as a son and as a daughter of God today, it is your right to bring it back to King Jesus. Don't just let him save you from your messes. Learn the power of walking in his lordship and saying, Jesus, I didn't just give you part of me. I gave you all of who I am. And I don't understand why this want, why this fear, why this trust, why this need is in my life. But I do understand that it is an invitation to know your goodness more fully, to sense your presence more nearly. And I will not allow it to chase me away from you, but I will make it a reason to come boldly into your presence in my time of need. So whatever that thing is today, and you have been looking to it to fulfill what only Christ and Christ alone can fulfill, shame off of you. 
put it back in the hands of Jesus today. He is the author. He is the finisher of your faith. I want to speak to people for just a moment here as I've been talking today. You don't know Jesus. You have not ever said, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. But you know what it's like to want and not be satisfied. You know what it's like to live in fear and not feel safe. You know what it's like to trust someone or something. And when you needed it to come through for you, it left you high and dry. You know what it's like to need and not be satisfied. Friend, Jesus came for people who feel just like you if you are in need if you are in lack if you are living in fear if you are living in hopelessness if you are living in confusion if you have lived life the best of your ability as the world has told you to live it but when you're honest with yourself you know you're still hungry you're still thirsty you're still tired you're still searching there is hope in the name of Jesus and today if you are willing to open up and say, God, I'm done with doing it the world's way. I've tried and it's left me empty. But today, I want to live fulfilled. Today, I want to live satisfied. Today, I want to live free of the hunger and thirst of this life. Then, friend, what you're looking for is Jesus Christ. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, time is gone. You're in this place and you're saying, Joe, if that is who Jesus is, if that is how he works in my life, I want to know that Jesus. Right now, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to get you to stand. I'm not going to call you to the front of the room. But right where you sit, I want to pray for you. But I want to know who I'm praying with, and I want to know who I'm praying for. So if that is you in this place, when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. And I know every week in Church Alive, there are people saying yes to Jesus. And I want to encourage you. You don't have to sit on the outside looking in. You don't have to sit on the outside wondering, will my day of freedom ever come? Freedom is here, and it is found in Christ and Christ alone. So those who are in this place and you are hungering, you are thirsting, you are searching, but you have not yet found, and you're saying, Joe, today I want Jesus. That is you in this place. One, two, three. Go ahead and lift your hand this morning. Man, there are hands going up all over the place. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, over here. I see about five five or six hands over there yes ma'am another hand here yes sir I see another hand there right over here yes sir right here yes ma'am I see your hand right there all through this section over here many people in the back areas there I see your hands as well going up this morning come on church alive can we give God a shout of praise for every single person come on come on this is why church alive is here to see people made right with Jesus. Come on. We're going to pray a prayer right now. We're going to pray a prayer right now. And I want to encourage us today. Everyone here, let's all pray this prayer together. Everyone say, Dear Jesus, I need you. I have sought your love and your provision in all the wrong places. I've done my best, but I confess it was not enough and so today I ask you to forgive me of all my sin forgive me for trusting other things in a way that I should have only trusted you and so now 
I ask you to be Lord of my life, to lead me into freedom, into life, into peace, into wholeness. You now carry my burdens and I walk in your promises. I am a Christian. I am forgiven. I am set free. In Jesus' name, amen.